This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 377, recorded on Tuesday, the 1st of May, 2018. Welcome to May, Jason. Oh, thanks, Chris. Welcome to May yourself. Thank you. It's nice to be in May, finally. And uh, now that it's May, we're finally getting some nice weather here in Toronto. God, it's been a cold spring, but today was beautiful, so I'm really happy about that. And I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and it is also very nice down here. I think we're getting pretty much the same weather. It's about 23, 24 degrees. What do you guys get? It's about 25, I think it was 25 or 26 degrees here uh, today. So yeah, not too far off. That's nice. Toronto nice. is having Lexington weather. Uh, yeah, that's, that's good. That's okay. And a little spring, a little spring is good for everybody, and I'm happy. All right, Jason, we got some stuff to do here today. We are, of course, going to be podcasting about Season 4, Episode 3 of Fear the Walking Dead. Lots of stuff to talk about, I think. Some big things going on. Uh, but first, as promised, we have to announce uh, the winner of our Record Your Favorite Scene contest for 2018 slash Season 8. And uh, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited, too. And I'm uh, I'm super excited about getting this palm print off of my face from uh, the last time you slapped me. It was pretty hard. Well, I, I'm I'm just going to say I think you deserved it. Yeah, I did. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure the welt will go down, you know, after a couple of days and then you'll just be back to normal right as rain. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, good. I, I am too. Uh, I, you know, a good slap can wake you up once in a while, but you don't want to take too many of them. True. All right. So as always, we have had our slap fight and chosen our favorites. We've got two runners up and we've got our winner. So first we're going to announce the runners up. Um, but I also want to just say once again, thank you so much to everyone who sent in entries. It was a few less than usual this time, but that's okay. It did pick up towards the end there and we got lots of good ones coming in. Uh, so again, thanks so much to everyone who sent in an entry. It's super entertaining to listen to them all. And uh, it just makes my day <laughs> every time we get one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if if we can't do something that's for the benefit of my entertainment, why bother even doing it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, I'm excited, Jason. Are you ready? We're going to announce our second runner up. Yeah, here we go. So our... Oh, and I also want to say... The three entries we've chosen here are three of the longer ones we received. So um, just in case, you know, I don't want to take up 10, 15 minutes here on, on the begin right at the beginning of the podcast uh, playing the, these entries. So what I'm going to do is the runners up. I'm actually not going to play for now. What I'll do is I'll put them at the end of the podcast. So you definitely have the opportunity to hear them. Uh, but it doesn't sort of take away too much time at the beginning here. So the runner's up, you won't hear right away, but stay tuned at the end. I'll definitely include those. But the winner, uh, we will play because, I mean, it's the winner. So deserves to be played. So, and again, with that said, again, our second runner-up, drumroll please, is Anwen in New Zealand. Who, Hooray! Yay! She sent in uh, a really cool recording um, of the scene between mostly Rosita and uh, Eugene when they had Eugene uh, kidnapped. 
And her Eugene impression, I think, is fantastic. And yeah, it was really good. Completely worthy of some some praise. I she delivered the lines in the style that he does, and it kind of sounded like him. So really, really good. So congratulations, Anwin, for that. What I'm going to do is be in touch with you a little bit later. Get your address if I don't already have it, and we'll send you some stickers, which is awesome. You know, awesome. <laughs> All right, our runner up. Dun da da da. The entry that came from Dennis and his grandmother in Moscow. So yeah. way over in Moscow, Dennis did the scene uh, between Simon and Jadis at the junkyard right before Simon lights the place up, as he said. And he recruited his grandmother to deliver some of Jadis's lines. Anytime you can get your grandmother to, uh, to record something for the Internet, I think uh, it's a good thing. Absolutely. We need more grandmothers on the internet, right? To keep, uh, to keep everybody in line and make sure things are running straight. Yeah. Grandmothers right? are awesome. They make pies. At least mine does. Yeah, absolutely. Grandmothers are awesome. But congrats to Dennis and his grandmother in Moscow. Uh, one of the things I liked about this, too, is it, it seems fairly clear to me that Dennis's grandmother doesn't really speak English, uh, if, you know, maybe a little bit or maybe not at all. Um, but she still delivered those lines and... Uh, you know, Jadis has an interesting way of talking, and I think his grandmother did a great job with that. Yeah. So congrats to Dennis and his grandmother. I don't think we got her name, but uh, Dennis, you'll have to let us know, and we'll maybe maybe uh, announce her name next week. Okay, so our winner of our 2018 Season 8 Record Your Favorite Scene contest comes from, I'm very excited, to announce that it is Tara in North Carolina who submitted an entry of Negan as a mean girl. <laughs> and what I liked about this, well, what did you like about this one, Jason? Well, I'm, I'm always partial to the mean girl persona. And uh, anytime you can, uh, you can make somebody sound like a mean girl, it, it just works for me. And it's, you know, it's the gender swap. It's the mean girl and it still fits mm -hmm. the character making, <laughs> You know, the comments that uh, Negan is making, he's so over the top that he kind of sounds like a mean girl. So uh, there's just so much I liked about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that's that's where we sort of came together on this one, that the gender swap is cool and the style she's doing it in, it, it kind of works, which is strange. And it's the kind of thing I would never, ever think of when, uh, you know, when you're listening to Negan. But here it is. It's, uh, you know, it's four minutes long. Um, so, but I'm going to play it because the winner deserves to be played. So here we go. Tara in North Carolina doing Negan as a mean girl. Hi, I'm Negan and I do not appreciate you killing my men. Also, when I sent my people to kill your people for killing my people, you killed more of my people. It's not cool. Not cool. You have no idea how not cool that shit is. But I think you're going to be up to speed shortly. You are so going to regret crossing me in a few minutes. Yes, you are. You see, Rick, whatever you do, no matter what, you don't mess with the New World Order. And the New World Order is this. Even if you're stupid, which you very well may be, you can understand it. You ready? Here goes. Pay attention. Give me your shit or I'll kill you. <sighs> Today was career day. 
We invested a lot, and you know who I am and what I can do. You work for me now. You have shit. You give it to me. That's your job. Now, I know that's a mighty big, nasty pill to swallow, but swallow it, you most certainly will. You ruled the roost. You built something. You thought you were safe. I get it. But the word is out. You are not safe. Not even close. In fact, you're pegged. More pegged if you don't do what I want. And what I want is half your shit. And if that is too much, you can make, fight, or steal more. And it will even out sooner or later. This is your way of life now. The more you fight back, the harder it will be. So if someone knocks on your door, you let us in. We own that door. You try to stop us, we will knock it down. You understand? What? No answer? You don't really think that you're going to get through this without being punished. I don't want to kill you people. I want to make that clear from the get-go. I want you to work for me. You can't do that if you're dead now, can you? But you killed my people. A whole damn lot of them. Like, more than I am comfortable with. And for that, you have got to pay. So, I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. This is Lucille. And she is awesome. All this, all this, so we can pick out which one of you gets the honor. You've got one of our guns. You've got a lot of our guns. Jesus, you look shitty. I should just put you out of your misery right now. What? Get him back in line. All right, listen. Don't any of you do that again. I will shut that shit down. No exceptions. It's an emotional moment. I get it. It sucks, doesn't it? I mean, suddenly you realize you don't know shit? I simply cannot decide. But I got an idea. Okay? Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the very best one. And you are it. All right. Anybody moves? Anybody says anything? Cut the boy's other eye out and feed it to his father, and then we'll start. You can breathe. You can blink. You can cry. Hell, all of us are going to be doing that. All right. Once again, that was Tara in North Carolina doing Negan as a Mean Girl, and she is the winner of our 2018 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. You know, I've heard that like five times in the last uh, 24 hours or what have you, but uh, it still makes me smile every time I hear it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. It, it is is great. So uh, congrats, Tara. And again, thanks so much to everyone for uh, for entering. It's uh, it's amazing to to hear everyone, you know, do their best sort of recreations of, of Walking Dead scenes. Uh, so Tara will be in touch and we'll talk to you about getting that prize out to you uh, in the fullness of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to mention before we move on into this week's uh, discussion of the episode is that um, the guys over at 
Bald Move, who have been doing the Watching Dead podcast for a long time now, well, probably eight years since nearly the beginning of of the Walking Dead TV show, they've decided to call it quits. Really? Yeah. So at the end of season eight, they decided they are no longer going to podcast about the show, and they recorded their final podcast, uh, might have been last week now, or about a week ago or so. And just to wrap up their podcast and kind of explain themselves and look back at everything they'd done for eight years and then put it to bed and move on to other things. So they have lots of other shows over at the Bald Move Network that they're doing. So it's not like they're disappearing from the Internet. But I just wanted to say, because you remember these guys, Jason, we hung out with them in Atlanta way back at the original Walker Stalker Con. Um Jim and Aaron, good guys, great podcasters, but they were always extremely hard on The Walking Dead. They really, uh, you know, and, and that's fair. They really didn't like it and they haven't liked it in a long time. So that's the reason they're stopping it. But I just wanted to, you know, congratulate them on, on, on such a great show for a long time and thank them because on their final episode, they mentioned us as another show where people can go to come and continue hearing about The Walking Dead if if they're so inclined. So uh, I really do appreciate that little plug by those guys. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. First of all, I didn't know that it was a possibility that you could stop. So, I, <laughs> you know, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. But, uh, you know, and I think the, the podcasting community uh, will have to hold a, you know, a silent vigil for uh, for the loss of a podcast in this space. Yeah. Um, a moment of silence for the watching dead, but um, yeah, great. Now I'm not so happy if they planted the idea that you can actually not do this anymore. <laughs> you can stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have that option. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. We don't have any plans to stop or to go anywhere. I, I'm far too much of a completist that I wouldn't can't see this through until the end. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. If we, if there's, if we stopped before, the uh the show ended uh it would leave a hole of guilt in my heart that would never heal no exactly that's exactly how i feel so don't worry about that but you know good on the bald move guys jim and aaron for uh for doing it for so long and again having such a great show and thanks guys for mentioning us and uh go check out the bald move guys if you want to you know hear them podcast about other shows too and they're still going on a lot of those so They're not gone forever. All right. With that out of the way, let's get into our discussion of Season 4, Episode 3 of Fear the Walking Dead. It is called Good Out Here. So, um, Jason, are you uh, good out there in Lexington? Fairly good, yeah. Okay, good. We've already talked about the weather, so that's good. Let's get into this episode. Uh, I want to hear in general what you thought of it. Did you like this episode, or did it just upset you and make you question your life? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so somewhere in between. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I did enjoy it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the first two episodes, but there was aspects to this that I'm sure we'll get into that I really enjoyed. Uh-huh. Uh, overall, I thought it was I thought it was a good, solid episode. Okay, good, solid episode. Um, I I kind of wrote down the same thing. I think this is another good episode and a string of of very good episodes that they've you know only been only the third one for season four but we've had three in a row that are pretty good now um as good as the first two i think it's pretty close to to be honest uh but maybe not quite as top-notch as the first two but that could be just because they've set such a high bar i don't know early on in this season 
but I did like it quite a bit. A uh, couple of sort of general observations I have are that, you know, clearly we are staying with the two timelines. We have the before and the after timeline, uh, which I like. I think that's a really good or interesting storytelling mechanic. Yeah, I, I thought maybe we'd get a little more filled in, which we did a little bit, but I think uh, I think this split in the timeline is going to stick around for a while. Yeah, do you think they're going to go the whole season with that, or or the half season maybe? No, I can't. I can't imagine that they would want to do that. They got to they got to bring this shit together in the next two episodes. I'd say. Really? See, I'm 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 of the mind that they're probably going to at least go the first half of the season, the first eight episodes before they take a break. And I think they'll merge together in episode number eight, probably. I, I don't expect them to to cut it so soon. I think I think they're going to keep going with it. Right. But well, yeah. I've been known to be wrong, but <laughs> probably not this time. No. OK, well, we'll have to we'll have to see. But in any case, I really like how it's playing out right now. I think uh, I think the cinematography in this sec in this season four has been up to notch or something like that. And, and this show has always been pretty nice to look at. I must admit the cinematography has always been pretty good, but something about, you know, season four and some of the, the wide shots they've been doing. And not only that, even the opening title bit, which, uh, was great again, this time we had a, we had a bunch of purple flowers that we saw. Uh, blowing in the wind and of course flowers are important uh and i didn't know it at the time but boy oh boy that was a big hint that somebody was going to be looking at the flowers this episode <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> looking True. looking at them lying amongst them and uh you know <laughs> and then pushing them up and that's right man pushing them up um so yeah, and and one of the things about the sort of split timeline that i really have been enjoying is just the way they've colorize them right the the after is all gray and dark and nearly black and white and the before is kind of yellowish and not uh not sepia but in a way it sort of is it's certainly a little bit more vibrant color a little bit happier it is color. they they have definitely been using a different color palette for the before and the after which is a great visual cue to let you know where you are in case you get you know lost Right, right. And and I appreciate that. Uh, I, not that I think I would be lost if they didn't do that, but it's just the kind of thing that makes it easier to keep track of what's going on. You don't have to worry about, wait a minute, is this before or after? Uh, I don't know. You, you can always tell by the colorization. So I think I think that's okay. I'm okay with that. And I like the way it looks. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. Well, this episode was primarily about Nick, of course. Uh, but we did get uh, we did get more of what was going on in the after where Nick has met up with with Morgan. And before we really dive into what's going on with Nick, let's just talk about Morgan for a few minutes. Um, I think he is playing a much bigger role on Fear the Walking Dead than I expected him to when we first heard about the crossover. Oh, really? I thought he'd be a, a huge deal. I thought this is exactly what I thought would happen is that, you know, he's uh, with so many characters in the big show uh, and so many. It's just there's such a big cast and there's such a, a lot going on that Morgan's character is kind of relegated to his side character. Yeah. So I think this move definitely pushes him up to the forefront. Uh, and I, I thought that that's exactly uh 
why, not necessarily why, but it's one of the reasons I think that they uh, they moved Morgan over is that his character needs to be explored a little bit more, and I don't think that that was really possible in the big show anymore. And Lenny James is such a big deal. He's so awesome that he <laughs> deserves to have a bigger role. No, I agree with that. And on the main show, though, like a lot of the characters are are go through these sorts of things, right? There are so many of them that we can't we can't focus on one in particular for that long of a time without the others feeling like they're they're missing but uh, you know the fear the walking dead has that a bit too although they've they they admittedly don't have as big a cast near nearly i guess um but for some reason i i expected morgan to come in and in a way be a bit of a background player on fear at least for a while uh, because I sort of assumed that they'd want to continue telling the story of Madison and Strand and Alicia and Nick and, and all the Clark family and everybody else. Um, but, but they haven't really done that. I mean, they are telling their story, but they've really integrated Morgan in a big way. So I'm a little, just a little bit surprised at it. And I, but I am happy about it because I think he's added a lot to this show already and that's really being that was really shown in this episode because he spent a good chunk of this one like alone with Nick. Yep. Which which I think was a, a big deal, you know, and Nick was starting to learn some things from him. I think the character dynamic between the two was really fun to watch, especially when, you know, Morgan just doesn't hesitate to cut the zip ties off his off his wrists and then leaves a knife right there. And then proves that he's not afraid of him because he can just knock him down with his stick, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's you know that's why he did that. I'm sure he absolutely knew what he was doing when uh, he was proving that you know you can uh, you can try and escape or you can try and attack me, but I'm going to now teach you a lesson that uh, you can't. Like yeah. You will fail. You you will fail, even with a an injured leg. Like Nick was kind of no match for him. Uh, and then the way Nick landed like on his face in the straw there or the wood, the dirt, whatever it was, I thought that was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was good. He just goes down. <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, I just think Morgan has, has been integrated into this, this show a lot sort of quicker than I expected, but like I said, it's working out for me. And as you said, Lenny James, amazing actor. I personally think that Frank Delane as Nick is one of the I mean, they're all good, but he has been good since day one. I think Frank Delane has done a fantastic job. And uh, to match him up with Lenny James, I thought was pretty riveting. Just amazing watching those two guys work together. Yeah, it was good. Uh, all right. So, Nick, um, he's dead. What the hell, man? This this show has a knack of killing people unexpectedly. Remember what happened with Travis? Yeah, I remember. And this was uh, this did surprised me it was unexpected i didn't think that uh nick is such a big deal and such a good character that i didn't uh i didn't see this coming no i didn't either like i was genuinely surprised and and shocked when like when it happened and the way it happened too is was rather surprising for once on a walking dead show they didn't kill a little girl but a little girl killed a, an adult yeah, it's the revenge of the little girls. I was uh, I was totally going to talk about that. It was, <laughs> it was such such a reversal, and it made so much sense. Like it just everything was uh, uh, was compelling. It was compelling uh, 
story or you know plot points and uh you know having her get revenge for him getting revenge it was it's just so perfect well let's let's talk about that a little bit because i'm not i think there has to be a little bit more to this story because i don't feel like her reaction and i, and I honestly i I, well, her reaction is fine. What I I don't feel like Nick's reaction to the other guy whose name was Ennis or Enos. I'm going to go with Ennis. Um, uh, Enos, Enos. It's halfway between anus and penis. It's perfect. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we've already <laughs> covered that with <laughs> some other character's name. But anyways, yeah. Um, so let me just lay this out here for a second. So Enos. <laughs> Uh, well, sorry. So Nick and Madison go out on a run for food because the crops are failing. And, um, incidentally, do we think that Charlie sabotaged those crops as part of her spy mission when she was inside the diamond? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, unless you're carrying a pocket full of weevils, uh, it's really difficult to, I don't even know if you can carry weevils or whether weevils are a big problem, uh, in general. No, I, ultimately I don't think she sabotaged the crop. That's funny. I kind of think she she did. I mean, I I didn't really think of the logistics between or behind carrying a pocket full of weevils in, but I mean, if you just carry some in a bag and get them there quick enough, maybe you can infect crops. I don't know. I thought it was part of her sabotage mission, which forces, you know, Madison and everybody to leave the diamond while the vultures are hanging out outside there. So you think she's like a uh, a weevil ninja that she throws them like shuriken? I, I think she might, yes. Carries them in her <laughs> sleeves and just kind of throws them to uh, sabotage things. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Weevil <Yeah>. ninja. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think she's, I think Charlie's doing it a little bit against her will. I don't think she's happy about these things, but I do think she's doing it. But anyways, um, Madison and Nick go out on this run to find food because their crops are all infected. And uh, what ends up happening is the... That guy, Ennis from the Vultures, has got to all their locations before them and has picked them clean, taken all the food. And it turns out that Charlie was on the radio listening to where they were going so that they could get there first. So she sort of double sabotaged them <laughs> again. Well, and, they're just using the tools at hand to uh, achieve their goals. And, you know, if, the, uh, if our intrepid heroes are idiots because they speak on an open frequency about exactly what they're doing, then they deserve to get screwed over every now and again. Okay, m maybe. But what I'm thinking is this is what happened. It upset Nick, and the guy made that comment about not being able to feed his family. So, it, you know, he's sort of pouring salt in the wound a little bit. Nick attacks him with a knife and pokes him in the neck and stuff like that. But Madison ultimately tells him to take it easy. It's not worth it. Um. And and that's kind of, unless I miss something, sort of where it ends. So later on in the after, when the car drives by and Nick goes after him, he flies into a rage just because of this. Because A, they took all the food and he made that comment. And, you know, at the time, Charlie is still uh, sort of working against them. So I thought to myself, is this enough to make Nick to fly into this murderous rage and kill the guy. Cause I didn't feel like it was quite enough, especially because Madison talked him down a little bit. So that's why uh, I'm thinking there must be a little bit more to this story that we, that may still play out. 
Yeah, now that you put it that way, I think in the back of my mind, I was assuming that there's more to this story than simply what we've seen so far. I think that he is responsible for uh, Madison's disappearance, whatever that happens to be. We still don't know where she is, right? So yeah. uh, we need to find that out. And I think that uh, uh, he and Charlie are going to be uh, integral to whatever that is to explain why Nick flew into that rage. I don't think – yeah, I, I absolutely don't think that we've seen enough to justify his actions. Right, and that's that's how I felt. I'm like, okay, I, I get that he's pissed, but – I mean, really, the vulture Ennis just stole some of their food and Nick's upset because he was really bonding with Charlie, I think, while, you know, before he knew she was there spying and or sabotaging things. Uh, but that being the case, I didn't get the impression that he was really angry with Charlie, right? Um, I, st- I got the impression that he was still, in a way, hoping that she would see the see the light and come over and, and sort of join their side. So you know, I guess he's taking out his rage on, on Ennis for all of these things, but yeah, I do think there's more to this story a little bit that, uh, we may or may not see. Although I think it would be important for us to see it to help explain why he so easily or, or was so just so determined on killing this guy. Yeah. I think we're definitely going to be seeing that over the next few episodes. Yeah. Which means that, you know, in the after, uh, timeline, uh, Nick is dead, but in the before he's obviously not. Uh, right. So we're going to, so we're going to see him for a while to come. Yeah. So that's another point I had. He, he may be dead. We know what, we know what, where Nick's story is leading to, but since we're, since the season's playing out like this in two timelines, he can still be on the show for a while until the timelines merge. Right. Yep. All right. So that, that's interesting. Um, they, they talked, they had Frank on talking dead on AMC after, the episode and he revealed that he actually asked to be killed off because he wanted to pursue some other project. So, so yeah, so that's how it went down. I don't know what the other project is or any other details. I didn't watch talking dead, but it was reported all over the internet about uh, what he said. So yeah, he asked. The only thing I can, I can think there is that, uh, he's taken on a, uh, a development role at a, at a consulting firm and is, uh, is becoming a a coder. He's, uh, (laughs) That's the other project he's taken on is, <laughs> is he's moving into uh, into software development. Well, maybe project, maybe that's what project means in your wo- world, but I'm not so <laughs> sure it's the same in his. <laughs> right. I see. So you're, you're saying that it might be my bias. It could be. Yeah, it could be. Okay. All right. But hey, you never know. You never know. Maybe he's leaving acting and going to become a turnip farmer. <laughs> maybe. Now that he's got that weevil situation solved. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, got, got a little bit of artificial experience on weevil. I mean, turnip farming. <laughs> I assumed he would be on the on Talking Dead uh, because that's what they do when a character dies. Is they put him on, the, on, on Talking Dead. So I assumed that that happened. And did you notice that there was no music over the end credits? None at all. It was silent. That was a, that's a 24 thing. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know if you've never watched uh, that show 24, no. but when a main character died in that show, it was always done right at the last second. And then the, uh, there was, uh, over, there's a clock that starts to show up. You're familiar with it. It goes tick, tick, ding, ding, ding. Yep. And then at the end, it does the exact same thing, counts down to the end of the hour. If a main character dies, the clock ticking is silenced. Hmm. So that way you know that it's a, you know it's an indicator that you know that that character is dead. Right. If there is still ticking, then you can hear it. That means that they're not actually dead. They're just you know using it as a as a 
point of suspension Got so it. that uh, there's suspense. Uh, so the fact that there was no music over the end credits told me uh, that he's actually dead. That he's actually and I don't dead. think they're fucking with us. I think that he's dead. No, I don't think they're fucking with us either. He's he's definitely dead. Uh, let's talk about his actual death scene, though, in the after. He gets shot by Charlie because, you know, she's mad that uh, Nick just killed Enos, who is, I'm going to say it differently every time, Enos or Ennis. Uh, but, you know, and, and that guy is like, in a way, a father or uncle or something like that to Charlie. So she comes out of nowhere and just shoots him straight through the chest, which is not yeah. a very survivable wound. Um, and he dies. He starts bleeding out of his mouth. He starts choking on the blood. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty shocking to watch, pretty graphic. And uh, it doesn't take very long either for him to expire. I thought the whole thing was amazing. I thought that, uh, uh, I thought that everybody reacted in uh, a wonderful manner. I think that uh, Nick's death and uh, I just thought that uh, it was such a powerful scene it, all around. It was. Yeah. I mean, when, when Travis died, he got shot a couple times and then fell out of a helicopter. <laughs> he's not dead. That, that I don't think he's dead. I think he's going to show up later, but that's neither here nor there. That's funny. I mean, when I say that out loud, fell out of a helicopter, it just sounds so ridiculous, but that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, Nick gets shot, and you're right. The whole scene was extremely powerful. Of course, Alicia's there, his sister. Lucy is there, his girlfriend. Uh, and, you know, earlier on in the episode, um, she told – who did she tell? She told John Dory that, you know, she left, but she loved him the whole time and stuff like that. Yep. So, you know, they, they strengthened that bond a little bit right before it came to an end. And Strand is there, uh, who has, you know, no direct family connection uh, to Nick, but they've been traveling together for a long time, and they're as good as family at this point. Uh, and then, of course, Morgan and John Dory and Al <clears throat> are standing sort of behind them, who they don't know Nick, but you can see it in their faces that they can't help but react to, you know, Alicia and Lucy's reaction, really. Yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful scene. <laughs> if you can say that about a death scene, but yeah. It, the well, whole... I mean, it was as far as, you know, a cinematic, uh, you know, dramatic play. Yes, it was wonderful as t in terms of, hey, great, somebody died. I love it when somebody dies. Yeah. You know, in real life, that's that's not great. Not, it's not so wonderful. good. You could see the pain in everybody's expressions, especially Alicia and, and Luciana, I think. Uh, so you're just, just a stellar job all around. And, and, um, I was really bummed to see Nick go. Uh, I've, I've been up and down on his character a little bit over the three years. Uh, but lately I think he's been fantastic and always, I thought, uh, Frank Delane did a masterful job acting. So yeah, I agree. Kind of a bummer to see him go. Um, did you notice John Dory took his hat off too? Like he was standing there with his hat against his chest, which I thought was a nice touch. It is a nice touch. John Dory's awesome. <laughs> he might be my new favorite character on this show. <laughs> oh, you can see why I have, uh, I have a man crush on this guy as well. Right. You can see it. You can see it. He's a great actor. He's everything I've seen him in. He's been fantastic. Yeah, no, he's been really, really good. So I, I, I like him a lot too. Uh, now, back in the before, where Nick is still alive, uh, you know, a couple of things I want to mention, and probably the biggest thing is, so he's out with Madison 
on this run. And this is where the episode title comes from good out here. She says that she's able to sort of go out and handle herself and do things because every time she does, she looks for something that's good out there and that kind of keeps her going. And I think it helps remind her that, you know, there are still people, there's still a world. It's kind of scary. It's full of dead walking dead people walking around, but you can still find the good in things. Um, and they come across this field of flowers Nick lies down in the flowers and Madison kind of wanders off a little bit. And then the final shot of the episode after Nick dies in the after timeline is him opening his eyes kind of suddenly in the before timeline lying down in this bed of flowers. So I started thinking, you know, he really seemed like he was almost startled awake, like something just happened or, uh, you know, there was some sort of loud sound that the audience didn't hear that maybe he did. And I'm wondering if that is the point where the before starts to go bad, or maybe that's the point at which Madison gets into trouble somehow and he's kind of startled awake and things aren't going to be so good from that point on. So you think it's a plot point? I think so. Yeah. I mean, why would they show why would they show Nick back in the peaceful flowers in the good, which we've just been told is something good unless it all was going to shit? <laughs> well, maybe it's his version of heaven. Maybe that's where uh, where he went. You know, the heaven heaven and that's, you know, building on the idea is that heaven is the uh, the best point in your life that you get to live in forever. Right. Well. Okay, I uh, maybe. So it's just kind of metaphorical that he's, you know, that was a really good moment for him. So after death, that's kind of where he's waking up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I could see that. I can also see, though, it being very literal and he's waking up to some bad news. Or he died in the future and woke up in the past, realizing that he died in the future. And now he's a, you know, uh, uh, a conscious time traveler as in his conscience travels through time. So we're going to have a Groundhog Day situation here, maybe? Well, not really a Groundhog Day. It's just, you know, <laughs> physical time travel is such a ridiculous thing because if you're going to uh, – if you, I don't even want to get started on this. First of all, you have to displace air in order to be put into that situation. You have to displace it perfectly so it doesn't come crashing around on you. And time travel, you know, uh, the Earth is spinning around the sun. The sun is moving, uh, you know, through the cosmos. The universe is uh, – or the, the galaxy is moving through things. It's just – you know, go time travel. You have to pinpoint that spot so perfectly that it's just uh, physical time travel is ridiculous. So I think that uh, mental or consciousness, you can move your consciousness through time because your consciousness is it's, it's a stream of consciousness, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, so maybe his consciousness traveled through time, telling so he knows that he's going to die, but you know, there's nothing he can do about it. <laughs> that got crazy really quick. <laughs> <laughs> we, we went from. Uh, you know, Nick, a very deep emotional death scene to a time travel discussion. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense to me. Sure. I mean, hey, I, why not? I'm trying not to be offended by that got crazy really quick. <laughs> you went crazy really fast there, buddy. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the same as saying, you know, that escalated quicker than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, these, these thoughts are rattling through my head uh, at a constant uh, speed, right? So just things like, Oh, time travel. Cool. And then all of the other stuff that goes along with it. Right. Of course. It all just bubbles up to the top and comes spewing out. It did occur to me when, uh, when I saw that, I'm like, Ooh, time travel is, 
All right. Mental, he mentally traveled through time there. Cool. That's a fair assessment, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Frank Delane as Nick in the uh, in the before timeline. Uh, I think there's going to be more story and there's stuff to uh, there's stuff to explore there. I mean, we still don't really know what happened to him after the dam. And I know you sort of feel like we're not going to really find that out, but I still kind of want to know more about that. Because uh, uh, now we have to have a flashback within a flashback just to find out. Well, yes and no. I mean, we can we can learn about what happened through the way he is now living in the diamond, right? I, I think there's clever ways to to bring us that information without actually flashing back to it. So we'll have well, to see. Well, we also have the idea of, uh, you know, Al getting the, uh, uh, the story, right? Oh. So we might get the whole thing verbally without actually flashing back. Uh, well, that's not going to work because Al doesn't exist in the before. No, but uh Madison could oh. tell the story, right? As part of her uh his part of her her story on tape. Yes, yes, that's that's a good point. You're right. It doesn't have to directly come from Nick. So Right. Uh, um uh okay. Well, but the the one line I think that made me even more interested in finding out what is ex- really going on with Nick back then is that when they're when him and Madison are talking about going out on the run for food, he's in charge of the crops, right? And his crops have failed. And he says to her, I want to come with you. I should help. I want to help. And I thought those were uh, interesting words coming from Nick because I feel like he he's saying, I feel really responsible for, you know, not being able to grow this food. And it's my job. And I need to make good on what I was trying to do here because everyone has to pull their weight and play their part, which early Nick, I don't think, you know, a couple seasons ago, Nick, he wouldn't have really had that attitude. I don't think so. But he's he seems to have changed a little bit here, which makes me think that change has happened in the last year or whatever it's been since the dam exploded. And they're here now. So I'm just kind of interested in finding out what he went through to get to where he was. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get it. Somehow, but I don't think we're going to get like a full on flashback story. Yeah, no. And, and I don't want that either. I just, I just want it to be, I don't know. I, I just want it to play out somehow on the show in a unique and interesting way. So yeah. anyways, Nick is dead and uh long live Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Althea a bit. Um, she didn't play a huge, I mean, the other characters didn't play a huge part in this episode, but I must admit, I'm already, despite what I said last week, I'm already growing a little bit tired of Althea's I want your story thing and her journalism angle. Think so? Yeah, I'm, you know, as as cool as I thought it was for a couple of episodes because people like to record history and and collect people's stories. And I do think that's important. And the character obviously thinks it's really important. I think they're just kind of overdoing it a little bit. It seems to be all she's about. And even in the, by the third episode, that's wearing a little thin on me. Right. Well, she's also about getting out of zip cuffs. Uh, yeah. So she was able to get out of her zip cuffs to, uh, to attack, to attack, uh, Nick, so uh, she's all about that as well. Well, I guess so. I guess so. But I think Alicia put it uh, put it well in this episode when you know, who is it? Strand and Al are talking, and and Alicia pipes in from the background, going, "I don't know how she's still alive." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, see, that is interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to, to bring that up because the answer uh, – uh, 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 the answer given by Lucy was that uh, she knows her shit. Right. And my in my mind, uh, the answer should have been because she has a purpose, a special purpose, and I'm not going to get into that joke, but uh, <laughs> she – has something to live for other than just pure survival. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful thing f- to be motivated to survive for some reason. You know, uh, some character, some people have uh, their motivation is family, you know, making sure their family survives. Uh, and that's what Madison is all about. Uh, even Alicia and, and Nick, uh, you know, Nick didn't survive, but you know, the, still my point is valid, I believe. Uh, so you have to have a reason to want to survive, and that's what uh, that's what her reason is. She has uh, she has this thing that she need, that she wants that is outside of herself. There's a reason for survival, and that's why she knows her shit, and that's why she's still alive. Not because she's a skilled warrior. It's because she has she's a properly motivated individual. Yeah, that said, she does seem to have some skills, uh, survival skills. Um, but but you're right. You know, Lucy says. Um, she knows her shit, except she also says, except for this shit about the truth or whatever, because Al, Althea says that she's looking for the truth when Strand questions her on it. And I, you know, I don't know if I want to know more about that, but I sort of thought to myself, what does she mean by this? Like, what is, what is the truth she's looking for? Some sort of objective truth about this zombie apocalypse world they live in or, you know, I, I was wondering, is it more of an individual thing that you sort of can find in everybody that gives you insight into how they cope with the zombie apocalypse? You know, I feel like it's probably something more like that, but yeah. I also was kind of like, oh God, I, I, if we have to hear her like go, I want your story one more time, I'm really going to start to get annoyed. Okay. So it it's funny how. At first, I thought it was was so great, but it wore off on me really, really quickly. Um, and her, and then the way she's so obsessed with the truck and her camera and the tapes that are in the in the uh, in the truck, like she was she wasn't even thinking rationally when the truck was surrounded by walkers and she wouldn't let it go. You know, I I I feel like that kind of hammers Alicia's point home a little bit. She may have a purpose, but her purpose is so strong, it clouds her better judgment sometimes, and that'll get you killed. She, yeah, she did seem very uh, intent on making sure that those tapes were still there, all of them. Like, she didn't just check a box to make sure that it was still there. She checked all the boxes to yeah. make sure that, that it was still there. So that's pretty uh, obsessive-compulsive. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's hard to watch sometimes when somebody is completely obsessed about something. But, uh, you know, if they're it's it's a true it's uh, it's realistic that somebody would be uh, that intent on, uh, you know, sticking to what they want. Like her saying that she wants your story. If she's absolutely obsessed about this, uh, the fact that that's essentially all she wants and all she says, uh, it can get annoying really fast. And that's real life. Well, fair enough, maybe. Um, but I found it annoying already. And I also just think that kind of obsession that clouds your better judgment at times is what's going to get you killed. So I'm oh, I'm still yeah. okay with the character, and 
I think they need, but I just think they need to tone it down a little bit. And I think if they, whatever, if they end up, if she ends up moving into the diamond with them and she kind of becomes the community journalist, you know, I'll be okay if she's the one who just wants to interview everyone that comes through or every new person that shows up, as long as we don't have to watch it every time. And uh, her character does other things. Wait a minute. You think the baseball stadium is still there? Uh, no, I have no idea, but I mean, that just was, if, if, if it does end up that way, I could, I would be okay with it. But in the, in the after timeline, um, I don't think, well, the baseball stadium might still be there, but I I think it's completely overrun. I think the reason that, uh, that, you know, Nick and the gang and everybody is on the run is that there, that, that baseball stadium doesn't exist anymore it's been been overrun by zombies probably well you're you're you know what you're probably right i mean they're they're out there looking for the vultures right and they're trying to track them down based on their flags so maybe the vultures had had some hand in in destroying the baseball stadium security and it's been overrun yeah no you're probably right but um i don't know i just thought if if there is some sort of community somewhere with all of these people that we know and al is part of it I was trying to think of ways that she could be integrated without annoying me too much. Right. Well, let's let's hope. Maybe the ironic thing is that uh, if she is uh, obsessive about this thing, then she does need to be, and it is a, an actual disorder, and she does need to be medicated. Nick was her best bet to figure out what medication she needed, <laughs> so, and now he's dead, so she's screwed. Yeah, she's she's messed. She missed her chance there. Yep. So, uh, what did you think about the scene? where they they pull the truck out where they send Alicia down into the crowd of zombies uh and she kills a few and Al is up there shooting them but her whole job is to get down get under the truck and hook up the tow cable so they can pull it out i felt like that was a poor plan of attack i've got i'm i've got a couple of gripes about the truck uh, so first of all, this embankment, uh, they were at speed when uh, the kerfuffle happened in the back of the truck and uh, and forced the truck through the railing, through a couple of zomb- zombies and down this, uh, this embankment. They were going at a good clip when they got there. Yep. I'm not entirely sure, A, that anybody was wearing a seatbelt, and B, this truck uh, smashed into a tree. Uh, all of these people that were in this truck, regardless of whether they're like hardly anybody was wearing a seatbelt, they'd probably be hurt pretty bad. Yeah. Because you don't have to be uh, moving very fast in order for something to be jarring when you come to a complete and sudden stop. Like they have um, at auto shows, they used to have these uh, contraptions where you could get in and put on a seatbelt, and it was like a, a, a cage that was on an inclined uh, rail, and it would move and hit the end of the rail at five miles an hour, just five, and uh, would come to a complete and sudden stop. No impact zone, no slowing down a lot, just stopping. And they would put people in this thing, and it would show them uh, that – stopping at a sudden stop at five miles an hour is incredibly jarring. This car was going, the the truck was going what? 40 kilometers an hour. That's, that's, uh, that's what, like that's, that's conservative. I would say that's what 25 miles an hour, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be serious injuries. Well, someone would have gone through the windshield probably. I mean, Nick 
And well, it's an armored windshield, so probably not. Oh, but that makes things even worse because there's a lot of steel and uh, hard substances in there, and there's no crumple zone in this vehicle. Like, right. It's just a it's a steel box. Yeah. Which means the insides of this steel box are the things that are going to break. Yeah, and Nick and Al were standing up, struggling in the back of it. Like both of them would have just shot forward. Yeah. No, yeah. there would be major injuries, lots of losses, loss of teeth, probably <laughs> concussions. There's yeah. So that's my first gripe about the accident. The second one is when the truck hit the tree at the bottom, there was smoke coming out of the engine. Oh, so that engine uh, was toast. Well, something's broken in the engine. It needs more than a tow. It needs to be fixed. Like whether it's just the radiator that sprung a leak, probably. Uh they got some issues that they need to deal with. So yeah. it's not as simple as, oh, we like if they were able to stop, you know, jump on the brakes and actually eventually come to a nice sudden stop and then get stuck. Everything would be fine. But they careened down this embankment and slammed into a tree. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they got bigger issues. So they didn't. So that's my first two gripes of the uh, of the actual truck. Uh, and then the plan, the original. Return to your original question of Alicia going down and <laughs> doing ninja moves to duck under this thing without getting uh, bitten by a zombie. Yeah, uh, I was fine with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Why> <laughs> After all that, yeah, you know in, what? In a, in a surprise upset, I'm okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought it was um, fun to watch, but not the smartest plan. Although the way they framed it of Al being so concerned about it and wanting to get that truck out of there so badly, mostly for her tapes. Um, the way Strand came along and said, fine, if we do this for you, you got to do something for us. So they're constantly like negotiating, right? They're constantly make amending the deal. And, uh, now Al has to take them to the actual location of where they found the flag. So I guess we're going to see that happen, but, so I didn't mind that. I th- sort of thought that character dynamic was okay. I'm just like, man, that seems awfully risky for Alicia to do that. Yeah. And they but, better not you know, kill off they're, Alicia. Uh, they're, they've been in the zombie apocalypse enough now that they can duck and weave and get around these, you know, a few zombies here and there. I guess so. I guess so. But they better not kill off Alicia. That's, uh, there's not many of the Clarks left at this point, and um, I'll be upset if we lose another yeah. one this season. Well, we've had a 50% Clark loss. We have, exactly. And I do not want the 75% Clark loss. Yeah. That's not going to make me happy. That's that's an unacceptable uh, return. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, I, I wanted to mention that I still love John Dory, which I think I already did. Every line that comes out of this character's mouth, I think, is fantastic. And I'm going to ask you, well, I'm going to... <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you know, but what do you think my favorite line from John Dory was this episode? Well, it had to be the uh, the joke that he was doing tracking. Yep. He's like, oh, they went this way. And he's looking down at what we obviously think is our, our tracks. And he's like, oh, he's such an awesome cowboy dude that he's so good at tracking. <laughs> and they looked down and there's a fucking arrow Isn't... pointed. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I, I agree, but that's not it. <laughs> that's not it? <laughs> no. Um, but I do agree. That is an incredibly uh, well-crafted scene. Like it's it's played as a joke, but like the characters don't 
they do it totally seriously. Like they don't think it's a joke, but the audience is like, yeah, they, you see tracks going that way, but he made a stick or he made an arrow with sticks. (laughs) Like that's classic. It was was awesome. But my favorite bit is when they're later on and they're following the trail and he comes across the dead zombies and he goes, this was obviously some stick based trauma here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He he looks at it and calls it stick based trauma. (laughs) It's just so funny and uh, not the kind of thing you expect anyone to say, but he says it. So I love this guy. They're playing. See, this is, this is Garrett Dillahunt. This is, this is the genius of this, uh, this actor is that he can ride that line of drama and comedy. He's, he's good at both of those things and he can, he just brings that to any character that he wants to. He's a, uh, He's a very underrated actor in my in my opinion. Well, I'm I'm liking him more every minute, so I'm I might have to look him up and watch some other stuff, but he's great in this. Uh, well, we're going to do that uh uh char- character study, what do we call it? Retrospective. Damn it. Actor spotlight. Uh, actor spotlight, that's it. Uh we're going to do that on Garrett Dillahunt so that uh it'll become apparent to you late, a little bit later. Yeah, let's let's do that for sure. Um but what I like about John Dory is that he he seems like such a reasonable guy. He's so level-headed and he knows what's important. You know, when, when Al is there obsessing over the truck, he isn't afraid to say it's just a truck. We have more important things right now. And, you know, he's pointing out kind of the logical thing to do. And that's great. I think that's amazing. It, it, it keeps characters in check a little bit and gives, uh, and, and, and the writers have given us a character that we can, we can look at and go, yeah, that guy knows what you're supposed to be doing in this situation. And even though someone else wants to make a dumb decision, he's going to tell them what's up. Yep. Right. And I love that about him. So that's it. Um, we, we get a little more hint in this episode. I think that Laura has left him on purpose because, and, and it's not like they just got separated or something like that, but he asks Lucy about leaving Nick, remember? And she says that she left, but, she always loved him. And I thought, oh, why is he so interested in her leaving? Well, because he had a woman, Laura, who has left. And I think maybe Laura might not want to be found. That's yeah. what well, I'm thinking. That, and that makes it more that, interesting. That's a good point. And uh, that's also what I thought was happening there was, you know, he, he desperately wanted to know if she still loved him, loved Nick, uh, even though she left him. And, uh, you know, him wanting to know that really gives us insight into the situation that's going on. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, but there's an episode later on in the first half of this season called Laura. So it's pretty obvious that she is going to play a part or they're going to find her or we're at least going to get some resolution to that story. So it's coming well, up. Maybe. I mean, there's a very good chance that he's a singing cowboy and then he'll find a guitar and, uh, play us his song about Laura. <laughs> uh, you think he's a singing cowboy? I don't think so. he's got to be. Well, he, right? actually he did. Didn't he reference having a guitar? Or did, did he not? I don't remember. Uh, I don't know, but obviously he's a singing cowboy. <laughs> I mean, it might not be a guitar. I mean, it'd be it'd be more of a a joke if it was a a singing cowboy with like a little accordion or something. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, do you think there's any chance that Naomi is actually Laura? No, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, she's another female character. We haven't seen her carrying the other, the matching gun, but I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe that's her and they're going to have a nice uh, reunion or maybe a not that's, so nice reunion. That's too uh, soap opera. It's, I don't think we can do that. Yeah. I kind of agree I, with you. I, I, I don't really want them to do that, but I'm not totally convinced that's not where it's going. So, right. You know. Anyways, whatever they do with John Dory, uh, I hope they don't screw it up because he's amazing. Did you also notice that when Al handed him the assault rifle when she was going to cut uh, Strand uh, free, uh, how natural he held on to that? Like how when he's holding a rifle, it's I think it's even beyond the character. Like it's it was so natural in his hands that I think the actor is probably an avid hunter or something because it just. It's it's just too natural. It just looks so like such a thing that belongs in his hands that uh, I have a hard time believing that it's it's just acting. Yeah, I did actually notice how 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 good he looked with it, but I think I also noticed his finger was on the trigger. Should it have been or should it not? Trigger discipline. Uh, No, it shouldn't have been because you're not supposed to put your finger on the trigger until you plan to pull it. Right. So uh, maybe I'd have to go back and double check that, but I think I'm going to check it right now. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I do, I do agree with you the way he held it. He seemed to know what he was doing. So he's a natural at all this kind of stuff, this guy. And I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, I think that's all I have about this episode. It's a huge bummer to see Nick get killed, but I, I do think <clears throat> there's more to this story that we're going, we're going to get because as we talked about, we can still see Nick in the, uh, in the before timeline. Um, that being the case though, I don't think it's going to last too much longer. If he asked to be off the show, they're going to have to wrap it up. So the actor can actually be off the show. Um, so I think Nick is done by the, uh, by the mid season finale of this show, which gives us, I don't know, five more. Um, anyways, uh, that's son of a bitch. His finger was on the trigger. Yeah. See, I knew it, but don't let that taint your feelings about John Dory. I'm not sure it can, but (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna cause me some concern over the next couple of hours, but I'll get over it. It's okay. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> um anyways, yeah. Uh good episode. I I liked it. I think season four of this show has been really strong so far. The only the other the only last thing I wanted to bring up was that when uh uh when Madison first came on the screen, did you notice uh uh did you notice that uh Kim Dickens the <laughs> Just as she was coming around the corner, it said Kim Dickens, and then her character, Madison, resolved into focus right near the words Kim Dickens. Like her, her actor name, like in the credits at the beginning? In the credits at the beginning, On yeah. Screen? So, the, yeah, her credit showed up in the exact spot where her character was introduced to the scene. I didn't and it notice. Was, it was very subtle. I don't think it was necessarily planned, but it was, uh, it was a thing of beauty. Okay, I'll I'll go watch it. I didn't notice. That's funny. <laughs> I feel like yeah. nothing is, you know, usually, well, usually nothing is by accident, but yeah, this kind of thing could have been, I guess. I yeah. don't know. It was, it, it's, it's very much like uh, the show was introducing Kim Dickens and, uh, uh, and, and Madison at the exact same time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then she walked on stage. It was great. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Uh, good. So I think that covers it for, uh, for this episode. I am, I am looking forward to the rest of this season. I mean, if it's all, if it's going to keep 
maintain this level of quality, I think we're in for a really, really good season of Fear the Walking Dead. Yep. All right, let's take a really quick break. Stay with us. There's more to come. Listener feedback. All right. We have some emails here about this episode, and the first one comes from Heather, sent in from her tricorder. Oh. Heather's, yeah, neat, eh? Heather says, man, it sucks that Nick died, but didn't he just brutally murder Charlie's adoptive brother slash dad slash uncle? We assume he had a good reason, but nobody knows what that reason is yet. I'm sad to see him go because he was my favorite character, but I never thought he really had what it takes to survive long term. I mean, look at his weapon of choice tonight. At this point in the show, everyone should know a hammer is a shitty weapon that's just going to get stuck in skulls. Hammer, Yeah, hammer is a shitty weapon in the zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's a little bit close range, but then a knife is just as close range, but... Uh, yeah, hammer, you, you think it would easily get stuck in, whereas a knife can like poke in and slide right back out again, you know, hammer gets, gets caught in there and you're done. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a poor choice. It's a poor choice. I mean, in a pinch maybe, but you know, hammer is not the, not the best. At least use a framing hammer, right? Cause they're longer and it uh, gives you a little more reach and you could use the claw end. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the claw end, but the claw end, I think, is also likely to get stuck. So, eh. uh, maybe a drywall hammer would be the better idea. Yeah, a sledgehammer, it, but they're a little hard well, to wield. I think a drywall hammer has a it's it does the pointy end isn't for pulling out nails; it's for chipping a drywall. So that might be a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, anyways, but uh, I mean, Heather agrees. Sort of a bummer to see him see him die. And uh, I don't know if I really agree that he didn't have what it takes to survive long term. I mean, weapon of choice aside, uh, Nick seems to have been able to survive pretty well so far. And he wasn't killed by a zombie. He was killed by a vengeful little girl. So, yeah, you know, that who was, you know, also remorseful about the situation. It's not like she's not affected by uh, what she did. No, she was very upset. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's no coming back from that though. I mean, Alicia, I don't think can forgive Charlie for what she's done now. Uh, it'd be pretty tough. It'd be tough. It'd be tough, but you know, sometimes you have to forgive kids for even the most heinous of, uh, murders. I, I, I suppose you do. <laughs> um, but what if Charlie is responsible for the death of Madison too? And now it's just, Madison's Alicia. not dead. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe we don't know. <laughs> Like, no, we can't we can't have her killed in a flashback. Well, I guess not. And you would think that having Charlie be responsible for both 
of the Clark, both of those Clark family members' deaths would be just too much. So I don't think well, that's true. yeah. I mean, homicidal little girl. I mean, it probably fit the motif of the show. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, we kill little girls. We have homicidal maniac little girls. Yeah. They don't like little girls if they, if they do that. It's just, there's no getting around it after that. Well, we'll have to see where it goes. Alex in Seattle wrote in, holy crap, I didn't see that coming. Nick got killed by a little girl while looking at the flowers. Bravo, Fear the Walking Dead. Bravo. I'm really enjoying season four so far. It's up to par, if not even exceeding the main show in its ability to hold the viewer's attention and for its overall creativity and storylines. I'm struggling with that right now. That it's, that it's better? That it might be a little bit better right now. I think... I think the last two words you said are, are key to that sentence that right now it's better. And I, it is, I think I agree with that. It's, you know, I don't know that the walking dead in season eight went three, went a string of three episodes that we pretty much universally praised. And my problem is I feel like I'm cheating on the main show. Sure. And, and not that we are the be all and end all, uh, the, the knowers of everything, right. That people have all kinds of different, uh, opinions all over the place, but uh, you know, I I agree with you. I feel like I'm cheating on it a little bit, but hey, man, it's same network, same universe, uh, one of the same characters now, and everyone in everyone on involved is trying to make the best show they can. And right now, the Fear the Walking Dead people are knocking it out of the park, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same way when I pet cats that come into the backyard. We have a couple of cats that are really friendly and nice that come into the backyard. And uh, they enjoy a good scratch behind the ear. Yeah. And every time they come into the backyard, and both my cats are looking out the window going, what the hell are you doing? I'm petting this cat that's sitting on the – is rolling around on the lawn. And that's all my cats want to do is roll around on the lawn and be petted. But here <laughs> I am petting this other cat, and it's like I feel really guilty. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm cheating on my cats. You are. <laughs> and I also had the same problem when I was younger and I was in bands. Like there was other bands uh, that uh, – you know, I was friends with the with the musicians, and I liked the bands, and, and I was I felt like I was uh, I was cheating on my bands by enjoying these other bands, until I came to the realization, you know, it's possible for people to like two bands at the same time. What? That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. Huh. It took a while. I have to I have to admit. So this is why I'm struggling with this. It's okay to like both shows. Yeah, I I think so too. I I like both shows. I just think that this one is is really good right now, and you know that's okay. Yeah. So. And and uh, I guess sorry, I meant to bring this up when we were uh, reviewing the show or, or talking about the show. But do you find that Maggie Grace is talking in a lower register than <laughs> she does in other shows like Lost or other you know crappy movies she's done? Well, I, I I she might be. I haven't seen her in too much stuff other than Lost, but. You know, Shannon on Lost was pretty annoying, and I don't think she had a lot of fans. I don't think there were a lot of fans of that character really out there. Uh, I'm sure there are some, so uh, <laughs> please She spent don't. quite a bit of time in a bikini, so I'm sure there's fans. Oh, well, fair enough. I mean, there you can be a fan, and you can be you can be a fan of parts of her performance anyways. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think you might be right, but, you know, maybe that's it's just an acting thing. This is this character, so she's doing uh, she's doing a different voice. Yeah, I just I was wondering if you noticed that. I noticed it. I didn't really think about it, but when you pointed out, I I can see it. 
Um, and you know what though? That is not what I'm dissatisfied with in that character. Her, her acting and the character kind of style is fine. It's just what they're, it's just kind of how they're making her a bit annoying. And that's too bad because Shannon was sort of had an annoying personality. And now Althea has a little bit of an annoying personality. Right. So in this instance, again, we get to blame Scott Gimple. Well, of course, of course we do. (laughs) He's the overseer of everything. (laughs) Yeah. So we can blame him for the aspects of her character that you find annoying. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, Okay. Gemma in South Wales writes, no, I refuse to believe this. No, no, no. I'm devastated. Nick has always been my favorite fear character, and I mostly stuck with season one and two because of him. I do understand that Frank Delane might want to do other things, but come on. This show really has no problem killing off its main characters, does it? And the fact Charlie was the one to do it, how heartbreaking. I'm in total shock. And just when Morgan was going to teach him some Aikido. It's true. Yeah, he Morgan gives him the the peace book and they they talk a little bit about how it's not karate, <laughs> which I, I thought was sort of <laughs> sort of funny. Uh and I think and I think Morgan was about to take on an apprentice here, which could have been interesting to watch. But now that'll never happen. Yep. Yeah. It, it's it is uh, it's hard to to have Nick die and uh, Frank Delane leave the show. But we've got you know Lenny James added to the cast now. We've got uh, Garrett Dillahunt. We've got Maggie Grace. We got uh, Jenna Elfman. Mm-hmm. You know we got some uh, we got some solid characters that are now going to uh, be here. So we can, uh, we can hang our hat on, uh, some other good actors and, uh, entertaining characters. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Brian in Wentzville, Missouri writes, just as I was starting to be disappointed that Nick didn't die in the fight scene, despite my cheering at the screen, he was killed. <laughs> I am so happy. They finally killed Nick. I wanted him gone from the first scene he was in, in season one. He's con oh. he's constantly going from one extreme to another, or his constant going from one extreme to another was awful. Every time you thought he was starting to be useful, he would switch back to being completely useless again. Good riddance. Congratulations to the writers. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> well, that's the other end of the shitty stick, isn't it? It really is. Yes. That is the other end of the shit stick. <laughs> so, but, but you know, I, I like to include everyone's differing opinions and, uh, Brian definitely has a different one there. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how he feels as the season goes on, maybe. Yeah. All right. Christine in Somerville, South Carolina. Holy crap. Nick's dead. Killing Nick is like killing Rick for me. I will watch the show again when the series is over. Then I'll binge watch, which means I'll see you all in October. <laughs> so <laughs> she's not going to watch anymore until she can watch it all at once. Uh, hopefully that doesn't mean she just wants to get it out of the way. But, you know, maybe that's the case. <sighs> You know, I, I was thinking that uh, maybe the, this was a rage quit. Like, people rage quit the show. They get so pissed off, and they just say, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yep. But this is more of a rage pause. I'm taking <laughs> a rage pause on this show. I'm so mad that I'm just going to stop for a while. For now, and then I'll come back to it and hopefully not be as angry. Right. So, yeah. rage, rage pause. I think we should need, need to coin that as a new phrase. Very good. There's the rage quit and the rage pause. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can you rage start watching a show? You're so angry uh, at it that you start watching it? Well, only for spite. Like if you're mad at your husband or something uh, and you start watching the show 
because you're mad at somebody else. I don't think you can be mad at the show no. and start watching it. You have to be mad at somebody else. And if you're going to be mad at somebody, be mad at your spouse. Well, sure. Why not? Why else do you get married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah, It gives you somebody to be mad at. Very, uh, very astute, Chris. Very right. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, who's next? Karina in Melbourne, Australia writes, John Dory whipping out the hilarity with this is some stick based trauma. Jason, I thought of you and your man crush as soon as it happened. I hope you loved it. I did. And you did. And you like the arrow scene too. I'm, 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 I forgot about that when I mentioned it earlier. Uh, but you're right. Both of those scenes were great. They both involved John Dory. Yeah. You know, Another thing about that character is you can't say his name without saying his full name. At least I can't. No, you can't. You can't. It's like, you know, trying to say Nick Strand the whole time. Uh, no, not the Nick Strand. What the hell's his name? Victor Strand. Yes. Uh, Victor Strand the whole time. You can't do it. It's just got to be Strand or Nick or, you know, it's John Dory. It's just, that's his, that's his name. John Dory. Exactly. He's not John. He's not Dory. He's John Dory. I have to say the whole thing. So. <laughs> yeah. there you go all right i got a few more a couple more here uh that are um more related to the previous episode the first one is uh trucker tom on the road trucker tom writes if the vulture's tactic is to first try to talk to settlements into giving up their stuff and perhaps joining them since they are going to fail anyway it really helps their argument a lot if they first send in a young child as a spy Young enough not to be considered a threat, but old and smart enough to perform a complex mission. The spy will get a handle on numbers, weapons, strengths, weaknesses, and, most importantly, sabotage any crops with pests. If a, settlement, uh, uh, if a settlement's crops are dying, that gives strength to the you-are-destined-to-fail argument. In the case of Madison's group, if their crops are, were healthy and they are virtually self-sufficient, self as Nick said, they would just tell the vultures to go pound sand. As for camping outside the entrance and waiting, it is definitely a psychological ploy to make everyone uneasy. Eventually, some will just want to give up just to make the pressure stop. So I, I think this was a good sort of brief breakdown of, of kind of what the vultures are doing. Like, just their presence out there is is enough to make people uneasy. And if you're uneasy, you're probably more likely to make a mistake or do something stupid or contribute to your downfall yourself. So I think that's an interesting take on it. It is. I'm not touching you right now. I'm not touching you right now. Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> that's Just right. to annoy you. That's right. Make them do something stupid, like actually attack your sister when she does that to you. Exactly. Two kids in the <clears throat> backseat of a car and, and one is like, you know, stay away from me. You can't cross the center line of the backseat. And then, you know, I stick out my finger and put an inch away from my sister's face and go, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You told me not to touch you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to start swinging my arms. And if you happen to get in the way, it's your fault. I didn't punch you. You walked into my fist. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyways, I, I like that sort of breakdown of what the vultures are doing. And as he said, uh, sending in a young child as a spy completely makes a lot of sense for yeah. gathering info and poisoning crops. I've been saying this for like three years now or however long Enid has been on the show. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. It's a good idea. Yep. Uh, Chris in the UK writes, I'm calling fake out right here. No Madison in the future. We're clearly supposed to think she could be dead. And that makes me pretty sure she isn't. She's totally not dead. 
I know I don't think she's dead either, but uh, Chris just sort of crystallized it there for me. It's like, if they want us to think she might be dead, well, she's probably not. Crystallized it, get it? Oh, hilarious. Well, <laughs> here we go. You're going to love this. Our final email here uh, comes from a listener, and uh, he writes, Hello, gentlemen. Have you ever noticed the inordinate number of listeners named Chris that write or call into the show? There's at least one an episode. Am I the only one that has been keeping track? And this email comes from Chris in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it's a bit odd as well. We do have a lot of... Uh people that write in named chris yeah it's uh, it's not is it all you is it is it you pretending to be other people and you're too dumb to come up with different names <laughs> man i would uh i do not need to do that that is for sure you know we get we get plenty of email it is weird though like i i've noticed it too there are a lot of chris's that write in and i'm a chris and it's just weird so you married a chris i know my wife's name is practically the same as mine so it's but it's weird. Like we have a lot of listeners in the UK and a lot named Chris. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just the thing, but, uh, it's the first time someone else has ever actually pointed it out. So I had to put it in here, right? Right. As the last two are both from a, a person named Chris. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yes, thanks for noticing. And, uh, you know, if your name is Chris, feel free to write in as much as you want. And earlier we had Christine too. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so funny stuff. All right. That is all the feedback we got uh, or that we have for today. So uh, that's going to do it. Remember, after the show here, I'm going to play the two runners up for our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. So stick around at the end for that. Kind of an after hours, kind of not. Uh, but they're very good. So make sure you listen. And again, once again, thank you to you, to everyone who sent in entries and congrats to the winners. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Um, all right, that will do it. We'll be back next week when we talk about Fear of the Walking Dead episode, uh, four, I guess, of season four. And at that point, we'll already be halfway through the first half of the season. It feels like it's flying by to me. Well, it is because we took a bit of a break to do the finale of uh, The Walking Dead and we did a twofer on the first episodes, right? So You're right. we kind of we kind of uh, uh, jumped. We did a bit of a skip and a hop and, and that's why it's it's happening so fast. Yeah, okay. You're right. Well, all right. That must be it. Either way, I hope they keep up the quality and uh, I hope everyone out there is enjoying it as much as we are, but it does sound like people are, are uh, digging it. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us in the meantime, by all means, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on the send voicemail link up at the top. You can record a message and send it right into us that way. You can also find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And, uh, I, I didn't mention it off the top, but, um, sorry about the one day, uh, delay in this week's episode. Jason was traveling, had a little bit of trouble at the airport and, uh, you know, we just didn't get it. Uh, we weren't able to get it done last night on Monday, but we're here now. So hopefully back to the normal schedule next week. Yeah. I got on the plane, the plane pulled away from the gate and we drove around the airport for like an hour and a half. And then, uh, we pulled up back to the gate and sat there for another hour. Oh. And then we, then we backed up from the gate and then, uh, went to a runway finally. And, uh, the plane took off. That's a bummer. They had to fix something, I guess. Well, they started off with some kind of, they, the pilot said that there was a, they're going through a 
breaker reset procedure, which okay. uh, is uh, apparently a lot different than uh, going down in your basement and turning off the breaker and turning it back on again. <laughs> yeah, uh, because we were it took a while, and then uh, and then there was something. Uh, that they needed to address with uh, one of the wings. I'm not sure what it was, but we had to go back, and a maintenance crew came out and fixed it. And then we had to sat there for another 45 minutes waiting for a ground crew crew to push the plane back like 40 feet. Oh well, planes don't have reverse, so they need to be pushed. Well, they do have reverse, but no, they uh, don't. Plane well, they, plane they cannot sort of, propel itself in in reverse. It has to be. Well, pushed. they have a they. When they land, they reverse the engines so that it slows them down. But I guess it's not enough thrust to actually move them. So, yeah, we needed a truck of some kind to push us back. I mean, we could have gotten out and a few of us could have pushed it back, I'm sure. Uh, probably, yeah. I think we need to have a conversation about reversing the engines. I don't think they actually go backwards. Anyways, we could talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, long time. It, it took me a long time to uh, get my ass to my hotel. So, uh yeah, that was definitely a factor. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's it. But uh, anyway, sorry about the day uh, that they late. But uh, here we are. Um, so that's it. So I don't think I said the email address, but in, you know, if you, if you want to know it, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com. You can send uh, any feedback or complaints about Jason's travel day to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we'll be back next week. Everyone, stay tuned to hear those uh, those runner up entries in our contest until next time thanks for tuning in my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening bye i can't help but suspect that the reason i'm being taken alive is despite what completely warranted bad blood exists between us you still harbor vestigial nostalgia for our erstwhile camaraderie and a lot of that i'm willing to just shut my grub flap and give you your space until you see such time as you're ready to break the ice one traveling companion you shut your mouth before i cut your tongue out all right, got to keep going. They have to be out looking for him by now. Thank you. Shut up. <clears throat> when I told Negan I made the bullet, it was to save your life. I didn't think, I just acted on your behalf. And I fully expected the crack of the bat to be the last thing I heard, but that didn't happen. And then I thought they'd torture me, but they didn't. They gave me a chance to live. And I tried to resist. I tried to rise above my biological imperative. But that is not who I am. I know who you are. You're the reason they were able to escape the sanctuary. Everything that's happened since then, everyone who's died, that's on you. Well, Rick's the one who pushed us all to take the Savior's own. He's the one who jumped headlong into this shitstorm with no waiters. You're selfish, and you're a coward, and you're a traitor. You turned your back on the only friends you ever had. Shooting you in the head right now would actually make the world a better place. But we're not going to kill you. Not because we give a rat's ass about you. We just need what's in there. And we're going to stick you in the darkest hole we can find. And the only time you'll ever see the light of day is when we need you to teach us how to do something. So don't worry. You'll get what you want. You'll live. But we're going to force you to do something useful with your pathetic life. What the hell happened? We need preparations to defend this place in case of another incursion. Oh, we've established a perimeter. We just got a message from the sanctuary. Negan's back, and he has plans to finish the hilltop. Rick's walking into a trap. We'll need that bullet order filled by tomorrow morning. 
will kindly convey to Bonegan my personal congratulations on the occasion of his return, and assure him that his request will be fulfilled in its entirety and on time. That's right. If Negan needs bullets to end this war, then by ginger he's going to get them. All of them. Scotch my talk of a bare minimum. No sirs and madams, we shall rise to the occasion with the ammunition. We will blow them away with every trigger pull they require. We shall, we will. Oh, trip not, colleagues. We will change, save your history evermore. Gabriel, it's all hands on deck and yours assorting shells. Listen, you follow my lead to the letter on the letter, you can cry and die. Here we go. Time to do something useful with our pathetic lives. Whoa, 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 Nelly. Everybody keeps their horses inside the gates. After all, we're friends. Right? Now that that's out of the way, let's get down to the brass tacks. Bottom line, I'm gonna need an apology. The genuine article. Now I know you had your little side deal with Rick. You came to our home pretty much arm in arm. This despite the pre-existing arrangement with us. Now you know, we saw you because we tried to kill you. So, you had plenty of time to prepare something. A heartfelt act of confession, I hope. Feel free to refer to any notes you may have prepared. No deal with Rick delivered him, brought to you, but you shot. Bullshit! <sighs> but no need to worry. Because <laughs> you cut yourself a break. A big old break, if you ask me. Negan is graciously willing to forego any punishment, provided you agree to revert to the agreed upon terms of our deal. You do that, all is forgiven. Some crazy good luck, right? However, we will be taking all your guns and ammunition. Not our deal. No, it isn't. But we currently have a need. And as friends, you will grant us this neighborly gesture as a sign of good faith. Dangers everywhere. Need guns too. Not when you got us. And if when the time comes for you to have guns, the savers will provide them for you. Speed shines. Ready to go. Thank you. You have hands. We have deal. It occurs to me that I have not yet received the full definition of an apology. I feel like I've got some transgressional acknowledgement. The guns certainly cover restitution. But what I'm not yet feeling is the remorse. There is remorse. There is remorse. No! Say it again. There is remorse. You son of a bitch. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> ah, I don't think you mean that. Let it up, gents. Let it up now!
All right, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll read a little bit of your listener feed. Let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll read a bit of your listener feedback. My God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> really? I, at first, I thought you were going to say feet. Listener, we'll take a look at some listener feet. <laughs> uh, I, I it's am. not something we've ever done before, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, I'm not really interested in doing that. No, I, I wouldn't say I am either, but what can you do? All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever, very clever. <laughs> 